Hello to you, and thank you so much for tuning in. This is Hear Her Sports, the podcast of long-form, intimate profiles of female athletes breaking boundaries, speaking up, and living with power and confidence. I am your host, Elizabeth Emery. Today, my guest is Pooja Kalyan, a young rising athlete, member of USA Figure Skating's roster, and our first figure skater on the show. As I was editing this episode, I thought to myself how fun it is to talk to experts in a field, in addition to some specifics about learning to jump on the ice and artistry versus athleticism in skating, Pooja talked about trusting her training, the lack of diversity in skating, and how to take advantage of injury. Pooja is still in high school, so we also heard about balancing that kind of workload with a full training schedule, what's next, and everything she's involved in. Summer is here, so if you are looking for some terrific books to read, head over to hearhersports.com slash books for recommendations by my guests and a list of books that I think you would like. Personally, I've been making an effort lately to order from smaller businesses, and that's exactly what Bookshop is. The process is very easy, and you support Hear Her Sports and local bookstores as well. Now to the show. Pooja Kalyan is an 18-year-old from Fayetteville, Arkansas. She started skating when she was only six years old at the Jones Center in Springdale, Arkansas, and continued to train there full-time until the summer of 2019. During that time, Pooja often traveled to Tulsa, Los Angeles, and Chicago for shorter durations during the school year and spent summers away from home for more training opportunities. Now she is living and training full-time in Colorado Springs, Colorado, with her primary coach, Tom Zakrysek. Some career highlights include a silver medal at the U.S. Junior National Championships, a bronze at the U.S. Novice Championships, and multiple top 10 finishes, both at national and international competitions representing USA Skating. Pooja just graduated from the Stanford Online High School after transferring from her brick-and-mortar school in Fayetteville in 11th grade. She will be attending Brown University but deferred her start until the fall of 2022 to focus on skating leading up to the Beijing Olympics. Outside of skating and school, Pooja has three dogs, loves to bake, and enjoys yoga, hiking, and reading. Welcome, Pooja. You know, it is really great to have you here. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. I'm very excited for this opportunity. Let's start with just an introduction of who you are and your current situation in training. I know in the intro we heard you're at the OTC, so I'd love to hear more about that as well. Sure, yeah. I'm currently training in Colorado Springs, Colorado, and as you said in the introduction, I formerly trained in Fayetteville, Arkansas primarily, and then I would travel to Chicago before training, switching my training base to Colorado Springs, where I am full-time here. I transferred to Stanford Online High School so that I could have more opportunities and flexibilities to train rather than having to miss school as education was very important to me and I wanted to make sure that I could create that balance between dedicating time to skating while also getting a good education. So my primary coach is Tom Zakrysek. And yeah, I was accepted to Brown, which I'm very excited about. And I plan to defer that enrollment to the fall of 2022, just to focus on my skating full time and really be able to train hard for the Olympic season. Well, I can't imagine that the Stanford online high school is very different from any other high school this past year. How has that been? Yes, it's it was kind of nice to have switched to Stanford Online High School, considering the fact that COVID and the pandemic caused all schools to go to virtual education and learning in 
I think it was March of last year. So it wasn't too different for me. It was actually kind of nice because I had already gotten a couple months of adjustment to that online learning scheme. But I would say that uh, Stanford Online High School has been very great for me in creating a balance between my skating and school. And it's still been a very rigorous school year the past two years, but the flexibility in creating my schedule that it has allowed me has been super beneficial. What's it been like to be at the training center? Is this, you know, this stint that you started in 2019, I think, is that your first time at the training center? So I I am not living at the Olympic Training Center, the OTC right now, but I am training at the Olympic training site, the World Arena and the Ice Hall. So I have been to Colorado Springs since I was a young kid. Um, When I was 10 years old, I had my first competition there, or actually younger than 10 years old when I was just seven years old, um, just starting out and skating and competing at the younger level. So I have gone there for competitions for Broadmoor Open, but no, I hadn't ever trained there And the summer of 2019 was the first time when I spent some time there. And I was still with my coach, Alex Orishev, my former coach in Chicago at that time. But I went to Colorado Springs so that I could, one, help to recover my back and get some physical therapy, but also to be exposed to a new environment and to compete and train with a lot of other upcoming skaters in Colorado Springs. And of course, to work with some of the great coaches there. Now I am training here full-time since uh, May of January of 2020, actually, but I went back home during the pandemic because the rinks were closed. It's been a while now, about a two-year span being in Colorado Springs and training here, but it's been a little on and off because of COVID, but now I am here full-time and I've been here for quite a while. So you're living not in the training center, you're live in an apartment or something like that. And then there's there's a separate rink that's not part of the OTC, but a lot of the skaters, top skaters skate there. Right. Yeah. The OTC actually doesn't have an ice rink connected to it. They do have a pool and a gym, but they don't have a ice rink. And so the ice rink where I am training at is where everybody who is in Colorado Springs, basically, Mm -hmm. that's where everybody trains. And you grew up in Arkansas, and I know you've talked about how there were very few skaters there. So this must be really interesting to be skating with so many, you know, like really top level skaters. Yes, it definitely is uh, a change because in Arkansas, it's a super supportive environment, but a lot of the skaters are younger and skating recreationally, more for fun, just enjoying the sport of figure skating and what it has to offer. But you don't get that same competitive feeling that I get when I'm in Colorado Springs at this point. So it was definitely different, but I have adjusted to it. And I was excited to be surrounded by so many high level athletes. And of course, I do miss skating with some of the younger skaters because it's refreshing to see young kids looking up to you and hoping to kind of reach that level or get better. But it is also nice in that similar respect to have people who are already have already reached that level and progressing like you to get international medals or national medals at the senior level, or even the Olympic team. What's the vibe at the rink? I mean, 
I can't imagine there's no competition, but is it, you know, supportive or is it competitive? And what are you getting from seeing those other skaters and being around all those other skaters? Yeah, I found that it is extremely supportive. It's competitive in a healthy way. I guess you could call it, it's similar to what you might hear in college, like YouTube college videos, where they say that the environment is collaborative and competitive at the same time. And so you do have everybody wanting to get better and progress themselves, but it's not about trying to push someone down so you can get better. It's about everybody feeding off of each other to get better and stronger. I found that very nice for me because I don't want to be in an environment where I feel like people are trying to just get ahead of me and push me down. I really do feel like I thrive and do well in environments where I feel supported. And I'm definitely getting that vibe at the World Arena. You mentioned when we first chatted that you, you know, it's 11 o'clock your time and you've already had two training sessions. Can you walk me through some of your training sessions or your days? You know, like, what are your trainings like? Sure. Yeah. So during the school year, like at this point, I'm doing three to four sessions a day. Sometimes I'll do one a little earlier in the morning or one extra one in the afternoon. Generally, I do the 9 a.m., the 10.20 a.m. session and a 12 o'clock session. And they're 45 minutes long. I usually spend all those sessions doing some jumping and running programs, working on newer jumps like triple axle and quad. But I do like to wake up a little bit earlier. So I tend to wake up at 6 a.m. And if I have any schoolwork from the previous night that I want to finish up before submitting it, or if I have any stretches or yoga that I want to do in the morning, eat some good breakfast and get ready. That's usually what I do between the hours of like 6am and like 830 before I head to the rink. After that, I'm focused on skating, doing my training sessions. And in the evenings, I'll have dinner, stretch, recover, and then do some homework or studying for school. Now, the sessions that you talked about, are those set sessions that anyone can show up to and you're choosing to go to them? They're not with your coach. They are set session. They are built into my schedule, I guess, in other words. And so it doesn't really change from day to day or week to week even. And I do have lessons with coaches on those sessions as well. They're not all completely on my own, but I do have some sessions where I can practice on my own or half a session where I can practice on my own and review what was taught to me. It is a mix. There's lessons and practice time on my own and different lessons. It's either like pole harness lessons or lessons with my primary coach or ancillary coaches. Right. Tell me about the pole harness. Sure. So the pole harness, you can um, picture it almost like a fishing pole and you're connected to the end of the wire strapped into a harness basically so that you can be lifted up as you're moving around the ring, trying new jumps. It's it's basically a way for you to gain confidence in trying harder jumps and having the support and the pull of a pull harness person to help you do that jump and complete the jump. And as you get better at it, the less that they'll have to pull or fix your axis when you're in the air and the more you can kind of complete that jump on your own so you can start trying it off of the pull harness. Traditionally, it used to be the wire used to be on the ceiling and it was not a pull harness. It was just a regular harness and you were very limited in your range of motion. So you had to basically just travel in a straight line, which was difficult for jumps like axles where you have to 
kind of curve a little bit on the takeoff or you want a little bit more of a curve setup. So the pull harness allows you to just follow your normal pattern and try a new jump the way that you would if you were off the pull harness. You know, I find this completely fascinating because I've never done sports like this, but the idea of having help to learn how to jump, you know, I sort of always imagined you just flying through the air, you know, like, okay, I'll try it. And then obviously, right. obviously you're sort of, you know, gearing yourself up to it. So how do you learn a jump? Like, what's the process of learning a new jump? Well, the basis of every jump, and I guess this is probably what it was like before the pole harness. And when I started skating, the pole harness wasn't there yet, or at least it wasn't popular but there was a normal harness to learn jumps. But the very first thing that you have to do is learn the technique because if you don't have the correct technique, you're probably going to get hurt or you won't be able to complete the rotation or as much rotation as you would like. But after that, it's almost about trying it once you have the technique, starting off with maybe a single if you have that. For me, if I'm trying triple axle, it's about doing a single and then a double with the correct technique and then moving to the triple axle and getting some attempts in. But I think the biggest thing once you have the technique is to just go for it. You don't necessarily need the pole harness to try a new jump, but for triple axle and quad, it's a little safer if you have done a couple on the pole harness first so you aren't as afraid or you don't have that fear of trying to rotate a little more because it can be a little scary at first. Other than that, it's it's really about just going for it and not having any fear of falling really because you are bound to fall when you first try new jumps, especially ones with higher rotations. You're bound to fall, but you just have to kind of go for it and if you, you know, if you don't try it with full effort, you'll never know. So that's that's kind of the process of it, technique attempting a couple, then refining the technique a little bit, figuring out like what you need to focus on in order to achieve that jump, maybe watching videos of other skaters jumping that jump that you want to achieve. That's kind of the process. It's a little bit of a trial and error, but you'll figure out what works best for you. Where is skating right now in terms of the balance between artistry and and jumping? I would say... In the past couple of years, it has become even more technical because, of course, skaters, men and women, have been able to learn more complex jumps or execute, such as Nathan Chen, a bunch of quads in one program, which, you know, generally skaters didn't do in the past. So at at least to that extent, attempting five or six quads in a program, and even women are attempting triple axle and landing triple axles and even quads and multiple quads. So it's definitely progressed to the point where the technical aspect has become very important. And there's been a little bit of a shift to where the technical part of the program is extremely important in order for you to reach higher placements, not necessarily for you to go internationally to a competition, but for you to be able to place at those competitions or even win, it's important to have higher jumps and a stronger technical content. But that being said, I have noticed that the artistic side of the program hasn't completely gone to waste or it's still very important. And you can see that with Carolina Costner, one of the skaters that I have really loved. She was able to kind of stay competitive with skaters who were doing higher level or more complex jumps than her by showing that artistry and finesse in her skating. And so I do think that 
if you match grace and technical content, that's the perfect balance. And having one or the other can still be beneficial and it's still very much appreciated in the judging system. So what are you working on for this next 12 months or whatever? Yeah, so I am working on developing both of those because I know that that's extremely important in order for you to be competitive in the U.S. and internationally. So I have been training my triple axle and starting to put that into my program and practice sessions just so that I can kind of start getting my timing and my rhythm going so I can land it um, in competition. And I am also working on quad toe and that has been going very well also. I've been doing it more so on the pull harness as I focus on landing the triple axle, but I'm hoping to also start training that off of the pull harness even more and eventually start training that in my program as well. Other than that, artistically, I am really trying to develop my lines, my skating, my transitions, so that the whole program is a complete package and I don't have just strong technical content, nor do I just have like an artistic program, I want it to all kind of come together. And that's really what I'm working on through dance lessons and pole harness lessons, and just really training the programs that I have for this season. Yeah. How much stuff do you do off the ice? I do do quite a bit of off ice training. I do yoga, and I'm going to start doing Pilates. I also have off ice strength training with a physical trainer three times a week. And I do a dance class and ballet. So I do, my dance classes are more modern or hip hop. It's kind of a fusion of dances. And then ballet is, of course, just traditional ballet. And that makes up two of my days out of the week. So I do each one one time per week. And other than that, it's a lot of stretching and recovering because all the jumping on the ice and program run-throughs does contain cardio and you are like getting physically exhausted. So it's very important to recover and stretch well and hydrate and eat well. Yeah. You mentioned that you've had a back injury. How is it doing now? I haven't had any problems with my back, any back pain. So that has completely healed. I still have to be careful because I don't want to re-injure myself trying harder jumps or trying to make my programs even better. But I am careful about how I'm training and how much I'm doing. So because of that, I haven't had any problems. And are you doing rehab exercises or strength training exercises to support the back? I have incorporated more core exercises and more glute exercises and hip exercises to strengthen the parts surrounding my back to ensure that those aren't going to be compromised because of my back injury. Because typically what I learned, at least for my back injury, was that instead of activating my glutes or my core to land, it was all going into my back. And so that was causing all that instability and all that pressure to go into my back um, when I was landing. Yeah. And then of course, Bielman's, the spins where you arch your back as much as possible, holding your hands and your leg up in the air. That also puts stress on the lower part of your back. My understanding from your injury, just reading what I could find, is that you're out not skating for quite a while. Right. I was injured in... I mean, I was starting to have some back problems in July of 2018. That was a couple months after I had won the silver medal 
as a junior at nationals and I was going to be sent out internationally, which I did end up competing at three international events that year. Two of them, I was kind of starting to have some back pain. I realized that I did have a developing stress fracture in the L2 part of my spine and the L3 part of my spine in the lower back in December. And so that was starting to cause pain, start to limit my my ability to jump as much as I could. And the weeks before nationals of 2019, my first year as a senior, I was considering completely withdrawing from the event, but I did recover. I went to Colorado Springs to get some treatment and I was able to do fairly well in the short program. I skated a clean program and was ninth after the short, but the pain was so much that I ended up withdrawing from the free skate and not completely finishing my senior debut at nationals. Mm. And after that, I took five months off. I skated a little bit doing edges, but no jumping or no spinning at all. And I was doing a lot of pool therapy. So that was one type of therapy that had no impact because I was able to just swim in the pool and do some exercises there. And the water reduced the impact when I was doing exercises in there. And so that whole stretch from end of January to beginning of June, I was off the ice most of the time and just focusing on recovering and focusing on my school a little bit more, being in Arkansas, not really traveling. I did go to Colorado Springs in February just to get some choreography for my next season. The back injury was definitely a process to recover from, and that process of recovery didn't really finish until the end of 2019. So it almost took me out for about a whole season, but it was kind of mixed between the end of one season and the beginning of the other. When you look back on that time, do you have any lessons for yourself or other people? Or I mean, like, did you learn anything during the, that quiet time? <laughs> or was it that quiet? I mean, I guess you were working a lot on recovery. But. I guess one thing that I did realize was I really, really missed jumping. And I learned that I, I love to jump and to spin. And those are very important aspects to me about skating is that athletic side of it. I did work on the artistry, but just not being able to do what I love or going to get choreography and seeing that I couldn't jump or do as many things as the competitors that I did see jumping and spinning and training. That was definitely hard for me, but I also realized that I do want to come back stronger from the back injury and recover and be able to compete again. Because during that time, I seriously was considering just focusing on school and not skating at the competitive level that I got back to now. So I did learn a lot about how much I care about the sport, but I also learned that having that time off to just completely reflect on your season and your goals in life, I I feel like that was very important to me because I had never had that time before to just focus on school and to just think about my future and what I want with skating and also what I want with my education. And I would say that for any athlete going through an injury and having to recover and not do what they love and what they've spent a lot of their time doing, I would definitely say to take time to reflect and figure out 
your path and what you really want to get out of the sport and how you are going to continue and get stronger from the injury and not let it be a setback. Right, right. Did you make any changes or big changes or what changes did you make after, you know, after recovering and coming back? What changes did you make? So I guess the biggest change was that I decided to start spending time in Colorado Springs to train. And eventually I switched to training full-time in Colorado Springs by the end of 2019 after not qualifying for nationals that year due to the complications in my back and the limited training that I had as I watched my jump counts and tried to recover from that injury. I realized that I wanted to be in an environment that was more competitive and more supportive and where I could really have access to all the resources that I wanted to become the best athlete that I could be. And I noticed that Colorado Springs had almost everything that I wanted in a training environment. That was the biggest change, just changing to Colorado Springs to be my primary training site. And the other change that I made was I I had applied to Stanford Online High School and I was accepted. So I was able to switch as a junior to attend Stanford Online High School. And that was the other biggest switch in August of 2019 was that I was now an online school student and I had greater flexibility in my schedule. And I guess that was another thing that allowed me to make the switch to Colorado Springs so confidently because I knew that I wouldn't be missing school in Arkansas by training in Colorado Springs because I was now in an online school that would give me that flexibility and where I wouldn't have to miss any discussions. The competition schedule has, well, competition has started, right? Uh, yes, the, the competitive season has started. There have been some competitions. Okay. Um, do you have your competition schedule lined up? I mean, do you know what you're going to be doing for the next several months? I do know that my very first competition will be Broadmoor Open in end of June. So that's going to be my very first competition, and I'm training for that. And I will do a couple more competitions in the end of July, probably mid to end July. Other than that, I'll also be doing the virtual Peggy Fleming Trophy, which is focused on artistry rather than technical content. And that's reserved for U.S. skaters, and you're invited to compete at the Peggy Fleming Trophy. And it's going to be virtual again this year, like it was last year due to the pandemic and restrictions that may arise or just to make it easier for skaters to submit videos. So that's another competition that I'll be doing, and that's going to occur in the beginning of July, but I'll have submitted my videos by mid-June. And what about international competitions? How does that all work? How are you selected for different events? Right. International events, events where you're representing Team USA, the selection process is kind of, it's a little vague in terms of when that occurs, because it largely depends on the skater's performance at a competition. And so if I were to do very, very well at Broadmoor Open, which is my first competition, then they would see that score and they would send me to some international competitions, which would occur between August and December usually are when those 
international events are. And it's, it's just based off of the skaters' performance and how competitive they are at in the summer competitions so that they can then be selected to represent the U.S. internationally. Some international events, like Grand Prix events, depend on a skater's placement at nationals that year, the previous season, so 2021 U.S. nationals. But there's also opportunities to get a spot at a Grand Prix event if you do well in summer competitions, namely Skate America. That's the big one where we have three spots. And is this year going to be any different because the Olympics are coming up? It won't be too different in terms of what events occur. It is pushed a little bit earlier because the Olympics are in February and nationals usually occurs at the beginning of January. But it's still international events do make up the August to December timeline. Got it. Got it. And is that still part of your goal is making that team? Yes, it is definitely part of my goal. And one of the primary reasons for trying to defer my enrollment at Brown so that I can train full-time in Colorado Springs and just have my full focus on making the Olympic team. So I want to talk a little bit about competing. How do you balance competing, you know, being in a competition setting and staying focused on what you have to do to skate a clean program? And so my question is sort of how do you balance being in sort of a competitive space with other people versus making sure you do what you need to do? Yes, that's a good question. I think that is mostly mental. It's about your mental ability to stay focused on your task and not worry about what everybody else is doing or has done. Because before you do your program, you will likely know how the skaters before you have done. And sometimes they'll have done extremely well. And sometimes They might not have done so well, but either way, it's important to just stay focused and concentrated on what you have to do. And it's a process for any athlete, I'm sure, but being a figure skater, it is about knowing that what somebody else has done doesn't affect how you should do. And so that concentration and that focus on your task at hand and really just trusting what you've trained, that comes in very handy. And sometimes it can be difficult because no skater doesn't have nerves when they get on the ice. But when the music comes on, it's just you and the ice, just you skating and performing to the audience and you're doing it for yourself. So it's important to realize that what you put out there is for you and what you're doing is ultimately going to help you progress as an athlete. And so all the competitions aren't going to be amazing, but there will be great competitions and there will be competitions where you make a few mistakes. But as you keep moving up the levels and as you get more experience, you'll learn that concentration that you need to have when you step on the ice to just focus on what you're supposed to do and what you have trained. Have you been good at that? Have you been good at figuring that out? I generally have been pretty good I would say in my younger years, I was even more consistent up through my back injury. The back injury did, and not being able to compete as much, did throw my, just did throw me off a little bit in terms of just what it's, that feeling of what it's like to compete. I didn't have as much of that experience, especially as a senior lady, because when you step onto 
the ice as a senior competitor, that's the highest level in figure skating. And you're up against skaters who may be a little younger than you or maybe much older than you. And it can be a little intimidating at first. And that's something that I feel like I've gotten through and I've kind of handled pretty well, especially having a year since my back injury to train and get back into the mode of competing. And I would say that generally I am a pretty good competitor. Sometimes for me, the most important thing is to relax a little bit and not overthink my jumping or my mainly my jumping. It's not overthinking my technical ability because overthinking can really throw you off. And even if you've trained very well, I've learned that if I overthink or focus too hard on one element or one jump, it doesn't work out too well. And that's the process that I feel like I've gotten better at and that mentality approaching everything with an equal focus and not really focusing too hard on on having to say land a jumper, executing everything as well as you can. It's more about doing in that moment, kind of relaxing and doing what you've trained. What's in your head as you go out on the rink and you know, you're about to compete, the audience is applauding and you get to your start point and there's no music and there's that moment where, you know, you're about to start and you know, as an audience member, you can look at the skater. And I always wonder, what are the thinking? You know, like what's going on in your head? What are you thinking about? How are you planning on getting started? For me, it's about taking a couple of deep breaths. And when I step on the ice and when I go into my starting position, I think confidence, trust in my training, and just after that, focusing on the deep breaths that I'm taking, because that really helps me focus on myself and regroup and find that calmness in myself so that I can really perform at my best. Great. Well, I want to shift gears a little bit. You are a Diversify Ice Ambassador, and you're also working with Aurora Tights. Tell me about working with those two groups and why it's been good for you. Yeah, diversity in figure skating is lacking to an extent, and I feel like it's really important to be involved in organizations such as Aurora Tides and Diversify Ice. I really appreciate what they're doing because both organizations are trying to promote diversity and promote performers of color. In figure skating and for Aurora Tides, it's the performing arts as a whole. I think that in order for the sport of figure skating to progress, we need to be more inclusive of different ethnicities, different races. Honestly, by being involved in these organizations, I hope to serve as a role model for younger skaters who are Black or Indian or brown, darker skin tones, just so that they realize that they can really achieve whatever they want to achieve in the sport that they're passionate about. And they don't really have to worry about there not being many people who look like them because it really only takes a couple people to break that mold and to push into the sports such as figure skating, which doesn't have much diversity, to show and encourage younger generations to do the same. I'm really thankful to be part of Aurora Tights team and Diversify Ice as an ambassador because as a competitive figure skater and as someone who didn't have too many black or brown skaters to look up to as a young kid, it's really 
reassure, I hope it's reassuring for younger skaters that they can, they can kind of follow that path of diversity and their, their opportunities are limitless regardless of what they look like. Did you have any black or brown skaters that you did look up to? Like who were your role models? I, I didn't really look up to any specific like black or brown skater. I did love Vanessa James and I still love her. She's a pair skater. I just love her spark and her fire that she has whenever she comes on the ice. I think she's a very great role model for younger generations as well who are of color. So I would say that she was probably my primary role model. And she was when I was a young kid who didn't have too many skaters of color who I was skating with. At my rink in Arkansas, I did see a couple of Indian skaters and black or brown skaters just skating for fun and recreationally, which was also very nice to see different skin tones in the rink, just that diversity. I guess for me, it wasn't about feeling isolated, but it was about knowing that there is diversity in figure skating and there is an equal opportunity for skaters of color and skaters who maybe aren't of color to reach that same high level in the sport. And I do realize that the opportunities are equal, but not everybody feels like they have the equal opportunity. And so for skaters of color to join the sport and to try to progress in the sport really shows other skaters of color that they can do the same. I noticed recently that you joined the, I'm not sure if the terminology is right, but you joined the Skating Athlete Advisory Committee. Like, what are you going to be doing with them? So my work in the Athlete Advisory Committee hasn't necessarily started yet, but I will be serving as the vice chair and I'll be listening to athlete concerns in all aspects. It won't just be in diversity, but it will be in anything in general, whether it be judging, competitions, equity, funding. It will kind of be a combination of things based off of what athletes and figure skating are concerned about. And as a member of the Athlete Advisory Committee, I'll be working with the other members to try to address those concerns and figure out ways to really grow U.S. figure skating to become the best organization that it can be and how it can best support all the athletes. Do you have issues yourself that you're interested in addressing while you're on the board, on the committee? I specifically would be interested in addressing diversity and equity in figure skating. I feel that, uh, like I said, diversity is a huge part of figure skating that is lacking and that we need to bring more diversity into figure skating so that we have a more diverse group of athletes in the sport. So that's one thing that I would really like to address, as well as having funding opportunities for minority groups or groups that might not be able to afford figure skating, because that's a huge part of joining and continuing in the sport is funding, because it is an expensive sport, and not everybody is able to pay to reach higher levels in the sport because of all the training and the coaching and all the different aspects of training that go into becoming a great skater. So not many people can afford that and have the opportunity to afford that. And having funding for minority groups or just anybody who needs it would be great. So you like to bake. At first, I thought you were living, when I was 
prepping. I thought you were actually living in the OTC. And I thought, how is she, how is she baking at the OTC? <laughs> so you're in right. your own apartment, so you're able to bake there. Yes, right. Are you still baking these days? I don't bake as much as I would love to because I do really love baking. I'm hoping to get into it a little bit more in the summer, but with school and skating combined, it's been a little hard to find time to bake as much as I'd like. But that being said, I do have some equipment that I can use to bake so that I can get started in the summer on baking some fun treats. So I I did do it more often during quarantine, of course, because there wasn't a whole lot to do outside of schoolwork um, and preparing for college applications. So I did bake a lot more then and try out new recipes. And I will definitely get into that again in the summer. I'm glad you mentioned balancing school and all your skating and training and everything. I, I just don't, it's hard to imagine how you do it all. It was an adjustment when I first started skating, figuring out balancing schoolwork and skating. However, it was a little easier at that age, the younger ages for me to balance because school wasn't that intense. In third grade, it's not like you have a bunch of assignments and tests coming up like I do in high school. So when I transitioned into high school, missing school for training was a little difficult because I wasn't able to participate in discussions. So I really had to create a schedule and know when I was going to read the textbook so I could catch up on what was probably said in discussions. And in addition to that, it was a lot of times finding extra time like on the plane or in car rides, finding that time to study because when you're driving to train at an ice rink, you don't really have that much time before or after to study and to review for school. And so I really had to find extra gaps in my schedule to complete homework so that I wasn't exhausted at the end of a long day of training or a long day of being in school when I was in school. It was really about creating that schedule and that balance. So I think now it was a little bit easier because I wasn't missing any school since I was in online school. And so in the evenings after training, I could recover, attend class online, and then review a little bit without having been exhausted from driving to the ice rink or going on a plane ride and having to study on a plane, which isn't as ideal as studying at a desk. But yeah, I guess in general, finding a schedule that would allow me to mark out what times and what openings I had in my schedule to study and what openings I had in my schedule to recover from skating. That was really important for me, as well as not bringing any stresses from school into my skating and also not bringing stresses or disappointments that may have occurred in skating into my schoolwork. Oh, that's interesting. I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah. (laughs) And I know we talked about it a little bit already, but describe more the online school that you're going to and how it works. I mean, is everything pre-recorded and then you just, you know, you play the lecture? No, actually, Stanford Online High School is unique compared to other schools that I had looked into that are online because there are set times for discussions that you attend. So you are basically in class at set times as you would be in a normal brick and mortar school. It's just that it's online and we use a platform called Adobe Connect to attend class and to 
come on camera as our instructors on camera and have a round table discussion that's virtual over the materials that were sent in class or they teach us like a teacher would in a normal brick and mortar school. And I guess the main caveat of Stanford Online High School is before the next school year starts, you get to mark which times, which periods work best for you, as well as which courses you want to take so that you can have any free time that you need in the middle of the day. For me, um, when I was wanting to skate, I decided to make my classes either early in the morning or later in the evening so that I could have that whole day free. And Stanford Online High School allowed me to do that. And before skating, I would attend class. So this year I had a class at 7 a.m. in the morning and it was um, a math class. And we would come on camera at 7 a.m. and our teacher would go over whatever was said in the lecture that we were required to watch before, and then we would solve problems. So it's very similar to a brick and mortar school. It's just online and you get to choose what class times work for you. And uh, you have a wider range of courses to choose from. Next year, it's going to feel like you have tons of time. It will. Yes. I, I am planning on using some of that extra time to either take an additional course, I'm wanting to be on the pre-med track. So I will likely take either an anatomy course or a biostatistics course. But if I'm not doing that, then I was planning on taking some judging tests for U.S. figure skating because in college um, and out of college, I do hope to contribute to U.S. figure skating and the sport of figure skating by being a judge or an official. And I think I'll utilize some of that extra time I have to pass those judging tests and maybe attend some competitions as a trial judge. Oh, that's cool. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a good segue into what are your goals sort of longer term, you know, once you start college, but also even beyond that, if you know. After skating, I, I don't really want my dedication and my involvement with figure skating to completely end after competitive figure skating. So like I said, in college, I'll probably continue contributing to the sport of figure skating by being on the athlete advisory committee and by passing judging tests and becoming a higher level judge um, and attending competitions as a judge, as well as passing some coaching tests so I could coach some younger skaters and help them achieve the goals that they want to achieve. As far as my education goes, I will be on the pre-med track and I'm planning on majoring in neuroscience at this moment so that I can then go to medical school and start my path of becoming a doctor. Outside of that, I will continue my involvement in figure skating, as I said, and continue extracurricular activities. I'm really interested in dance and performance, and I'll likely be involved in some clubs at Brown University that incorporate performing arts and theater. It's great that you're going to be coaching. It's so important that we get greater representation of both women and people of color coaching and, and judging. I think that's super important. Yeah, I'm excited about that. You said that you have to go to a session soon. So it's been really great talking to you. Thank you for telling me more about skating. And yeah, I look forward to hearing more about you. Yes, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I really enjoyed this conversation. 
Thank you so much, Pooja, for taking the time to talk to us. Let's send her some good luck for the two upcoming competitions she mentioned in the show, Peggy Fleming Trophy and the Broadmoor Open. Always check out the show notes for links to things in the show. This week's links include skaters Pooja Admires and Aurora Tights. We would love for you to join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash hearhersports. For only $5 a month, you will receive monthly special Patreon-only content. That content so far has included guest recipes, episode outtakes, and never-before-heard interviews. Supporting non-mainstream media outlets working to improve the coverage of women's sports has big impact, so we thank you. You can also support the pod by buying books through our bookshop page at hearhersports.com books. They're a terrific organization that supports local bookshops and this very podcast. Of course, you don't want to miss any of these episodes with such terrific women. So subscribe for free at Hear Her Sports on Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, or really wherever you listen to your podcasts. And remember, while 44% of athletes are women, only 4% of the media coverage is about women. And that still remains true after three decades of being studied. Hear Her Sports aims to shift that scale while inspiring women to be their best. This is Elizabeth Emery for Hear Her Sports. And until next time, bye-bye. Sports stars. They're like superheroes. But they're actually real. Which is why we've made a podcast about them. You see... They've all got a story. But too many of these stories were cut short. Colby Bryant. Payne Stewart. Flo jo, Phil Hughes. Justin Fashionew. We're writing episodes about all of them. And sadly, many more. Death of a Sports Star. A new series from Crowd Network.